when it becomes a pricing situation, you know, if you're basing your whole company philosophy or you're responding and, and you're continually low, 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 those are usually the companies that, to your point, they're the ones that are always struggling. And Welcome to the Sask Entrepreneurs Podcast. Each week, we bring you an interview featuring an entrepreneur or business leader in the Saskatchewan province. We dive into their journey, lessons learned, and views on the outlook of the Saskatchewan business market. This episode is brought to you by TwoWeb. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At TwoWeb, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and nonprofit organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at TwoWeb.ca. Welcome to today's episode of SaaS Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have a very exciting guest, Wayne Wilson, who is the president and CEO of Business Furnishings. And he's been in this business for almost 40 years. Uh, Wayne, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. That's great. So Wayne, you've been in this business for over 40 years. Tell us a little bit about your backstory and journey and how you actually ended up in this role. Well, there was no set game plan for me when I got out of high school. One of the high school teachers uh, wanted to know if uh, he was uh, involved in coaching hockey. And there was a general manager of the hockey team said, what are you doing after you're done high school? And I said, I don't know. He said, why don't you come work for me? So that was uh, 17 years old. I started uh, in 1976 at an office furniture company uh, in Saskatoon here and stayed there for about six years. And uh, that's about the time when business furnishings opened in Saskatoon. It was uh, a local owner with some ownership in Winnipeg. And he uh, lured me over after six years at my other company. And that was about 82. And then he's uh, Barry sold the company to another gentleman in um, maybe the early 90s. And at that time, uh, the owner said, well, I think you're kind of key here. So uh, he had uh, given my a couple of other partners uh, he cut us in, a couple other salespeople at the time, he cut us in for 10% of the company, each just through sweat equity. We weren't on commission or anything. We were just paid a salary in those days. And, and so he just uh, was kind enough to say, well, you put an awful lot of effort in it over the years. So, uh, so I ended up having 10% of the company. And then years later, he was, at the time, he seemed old, but he was actually about my age. <laughs> but uh, anyways, he uh, well, he was about six, probably about seven years old. And uh, myself and uh, two other partners ended up buying him out. That would have been mid-90s, somewhere around there. And through the years, I've had a couple of different partners. And I don't know, maybe 20-some years ago, I ended up being president. I kind of took over. still have partners, but um, saying maybe 10 or 15 years ago ended up being president. So it was just right place at the right time, I guess. Kind of morphed into a presidential role uh, without any real game plan, but that's okay. It worked out okay. That's great. I mean, it's interesting. It's tough enough to run a business for a few years or even, you know, many businesses don't survive over five years, but you've been in this for, for more than 40 years and it's quite, uh, you must have experienced many ups and downs over the past four decades. Can you maybe highlight the biggest challenge that you faced? The biggest challenge, you know, even in the old days compared to now, it's um, our industry, because we're a contract furniture supplier, uh, we have a lot of highs and lows. Like over the years, there's uh, years where there's no mega projects. 
mega projects are good. It helps the the cash flow along. But you know, in the early years, uh, it was you know you were grinding away pretty hard. Let's face it, in Saskatchewan in the 1980s was uh, there wasn't a lot of economic development. Because of that, uh, you know, you really had to get out and literally knock on a lot of doors. That's how I built my career is literally knocking on doors and primarily in the north end of Saskatoon here in the 80s. And like I say, it was a little bleak for a few years there. Didn't have necessarily have uh, business-friendly governments in those days either. So uh, it was a bit of a challenge, but it's always uh, a big challenge, I guess, or what we've learned is it is really cyclical. And because of that, some of the challenges are things like staffing. We have a pretty significant, we have, well, probably have the largest furniture crew in the province, I would say, and installation crew. And so with the cyclical business that you have, if you land a major project, you know, you need a whole bunch of people to uh, get that job installed, you know, and from a cash flow standpoint, uh, because it's so cyclical, uh, uh, that's sometimes a little, uh, can be a challenge. If you're doing a million dollar project, that does happen fairly frequently with us, fortunately. But if you're doing a project of that size, uh, you know, you got to watch your cash flow. So it's uh, part of the biz. Obviously, when it comes to business development, so much has changed. Back then, the way that you approached customers, you were knocking on doors. I remember when I started my business about 15, 16 years ago, it was very different. Being in the digital space as well, it was very different for me to actually approach businesses and do the sales than it is today. How has that evolved with, with business furnishings? It's a good question because certainly uh, in the early years, it literally was, uh, you know, the more people you meet, uh, you know, and go see, the better chance you might cross paths. You used to get a kick out of it. Every once in a while, you'd walk in and do a cold call on a customer. And in those days, people had time to see people that are virtually just walking into their office and who can I talk to uh, about furniture? Uh, certainly in the 80s and 90s, that you know, the people were pretty open to that. And then, uh, you know, certainly in the last 20 years, it's been a bit of a challenge, although I, I don't give up if I see, uh, I still get a charge out of that. If I see a building going up in town here, uh, I'll still go knock on the, the contractor's construction door to sort of figure out who's moving in here or whatever. But I guess uh, it's evolved now to the point where, and especially with uh, the COVID situation, the last couple of years has been a huge kind of learning curve for us in the fact that, you know, there is still business out there. It's not necessarily uh, done, certainly digitally, I guess, you know, some of our, we do get some leads from people being on our website. We dabbled in some uh, radio media here this past year, just to see see if there's any uh, uptick on that. And the selling process has changed a lot, but the fundamental difference, I think, I shouldn't say difference. The, the big issue is you still got to go see the customer. The nature of we're selling business to business. So you still got to go to the customer to measure their space to see if it's going to fit. So, you know, I think our industry has changed in some respects, but you still got to go do the face-to-face eventually. It's the, and again, when I talk in projects, but certainly people can buy things on online through email us or go to our website and buy things that way. But the large, vast 95% of our business is uh, it's still business to business you know, our sales reps going out to the client and finding out what their needs are and then coming back with a solution. So obviously, you know, in the past couple of years, COVID has impacted many businesses in a negative way. How has it impacted your business? First year uh, was a real challenge. People weren't in the office or they didn't know what to deal with. Uh, 90% of our sales are people working in offices. 
or in educational institutions. So the real challenge to us is we do a lot of corporate work, but we also rely quite heavily on higher ed, you know, SAS Poly, U of S, U of R, and uh, those people have been not working out of their offices for pretty much two full years. And that's, uh, that's a big chunk of our, uh, of our business is uh, higher ed. That's been a real challenge. So unfortunately, uh, you know, we did have to have some layoffs because uh, just the volume of business certainly wasn't, you know, and we have been coming off like 20, uh, 2019 was a really good year for us. And then to have 2020 uh, have the bottom fallout was quite a challenge for us. This past year, 2021, actually ended up being pretty darn good. And again, there were some mega projects uh, involved there. I mean, we were feeling pretty good about 2022 because uh, hopefully our our customer base is going to be back with uh, bums and seats. And even if it's not, the dynamic of the office environment has changed so dramatically now that people want collaborative workstations now. Uh, and so there's a lot of organizations that when they bring back people, they're saying, well, if we bring them back, we better spiff it up a little here so that their people aren't coming back to the same old, same old. And as an employer, you want people to come back, I think most do. And so as a result, you're you can sort of leverage your furniture thing to bring people back to the office. But you've been in the business for so many years, and I just, I'm always interested in how companies evolve over time. Being in the furniture industry, what has, I'm sure there's lots of evolution in terms of tech, in terms of the way that, you know, furniture is set up in offices. But can you speak a little bit about that as far as what that looks like for your business? The biggest change is, first of all, we, obviously we do furniture, but about 10 years ago, we made a commitment to get into the modular wall systems. With that came a whole new method of our drawing programs. Like the, when, when we're drawing, uh, you know, when we were drawing for offices, we do 3D renderings for our clients so that they can see exactly what they're gonna get. And it's in exactly the same color and the carpet uh, and the flooring is exactly what they're putting into their facilities. So, you know, we were fairly uh, tech savvy, I guess, uh, years ago. And then about 10 years ago, we also had to enhance our drawing programs. So we have three people that are really tech savvy and can draw up some pretty spectacular office uh, layouts using modular walls. And we are now, you know, modular walls are on any given year are probably 25% of our business. So so that has changed for us because we, in essence, when you start doing wall systems and electrical and power and data, we are actually a construction company. We're going in, we're working with the architects, we're working with the, uh, all the IT people uh, just to make sure that we can, they can get all their power and data through our walls into the workstations. So, uh, so that has certainly changed the way we operate and we got into the K-12 to business, uh, furniture business for the schools uh, back about 10 years ago. And both of those were a bit of a gamble. You know, we didn't know what to expect from the modular wall business, but we have the right people to draw it and we have the right people to install it and the right people to sell it and know what they're doing. So we have certainly evolved, in the la- especially in the last 10 years, to become more than, uh, more than just a furniture by the pound kind of company. It's, uh, it's a lot more sophisticated and pretty much everything we sell from a desking standpoint or a wall thing is, and it all has to be assembled. And back in the 70s, 80s and 90s, when you ordered a desk, it was already pre-assembled at the factory and they shipped it to you and you just, all you really had to do is unpack it and deliver it. 
well, back in the 90s, uh, late 90s there, it became all the manufacturers were making furniture in components and therefore all that labor to uh, to build a desk was now that onus was put on to the furniture dealers themselves. So so we've become, as I say, uh, a lot more hands-on, no pun intended, with it, literally installing furniture and walls So uh, at the same time. So that's changed it pretty dramatically. What is it that gives your business a competitive edge in the industry? There's a couple things. First of all, our people, everyone says that. When I think of uh, the commitments and the talent of people from our installation group to our sales group and our administration staff and our CET drawing uh, design people, we've got way more experience in the industry than any of our competitors, by quite a bit, I might add. So it is our people. But also we have Steelcase. Steelcase is the largest manufacturer of architectural furniture and architectural walls in the world. And with that comes a significant amount of research. They are the gurus when you know, the people like Microsoft or General Motors or Apple, when they have issues in their offices, whether it's a communication issue, they will get a hold of Steelcase and Steelcase have a division that will go in and do a deep dive on large corporations. And we've done that with a couple of clients in Saskatoon or Saskatchewan over the last 15 or 20 years where they need to problem solve. What's wrong? You know, we're supposed to be communication companies, but why are we falling down in that? So Steelcase have that ability to bring in a group of people that will work with a designer or work with the end user and say, come up with some interesting discoveries, like things like, did you know that there's a person in your office that might not be a high ranking person, but that is your go-to person. There's a gatekeeper in your office and everyone migrates to that person if they need to know what's going on in the organization. And they can find these, this type of thing through, uh, they'll come in with videos and watch traffic patterns and see how people work. So where I'm going with that is Steelcase certainly um, they have access to the world's elite companies. The Fortune 500 are right in their wheelhouse as far as uh, doing studies and working with their clients. And as a result, they do a lot of research that they let us have access to. That's, you know, even uh, the amount of research that they've done during the whole COVID experience uh, has been really quite impressive as to worldwide studies with 30,000 people in 11 countries and 400 different organizations as to. How is COVID affecting them? What, how is it going to affect your workplace? So Steelcase is, uh, is um, sort of what everyone in our industry, you want to be a Steelcase dealer more than any other brand. And they're very selective as to who they have for dealers. So that is our anchor. And then right alongside with that, we offer a, an, another unique thing that is we have a, a supplier of ours, a company called Creative Wood in Osler, Saskatchewan. So from the largest megacorp in the furniture business steel case to a family-owned, uh, three brothers own a furniture manufacturing company in Osler, they have been with us for 25 or 30 years. So if you want something that's locally made and world-class furniture, I'm talking about the ability to make $100,000 boardroom table, we got that shot. If you want uh, a $50,000 reception counter for your uh, lobby area, we got that. It is world-class furniture. And so we have the best of both worlds where we've got, you know, that local content, 
And we've also got that brand recognition for, say, companies like General Motors or the Bank of Nova Scotia. We service all of those uh, kinds of customers all across Saskatchewan. And so you build your dealership around that one brand. And Steelcase certainly is the is the brand that you want. I might add, we were not a Steelcase dealer for a few of the 40 years that we've been in business, but uh, probably 35 of it, 30 to 35 years we've been a Steelcase dealer. So we know what it's like to to not have the line. And it's uh, one of those things you hang your hat on to say, well, we're the dealer and that's a good thing. Wow. I mean, you can never go wrong when you invest in the right people and the right technology. And it seems you've done that over the years. I do want to dig deeper on the people part because a lot of companies really struggle with getting the right team in the company. And it seems like you've built a team, you've had, uh, you really take care of the people that work there at Business Furnishing. So just wanted to know a little bit more about what are maybe some of the takeaways that other businesses can learn from you hiring and and firing over the course of the 40 years? (laughs) Something that I learned really early is um, my forte is finding business. And it still is to this day. Uh, I rely on our people more than anyone else in our company. Uh, I'll be honest, uh, from an administrative standpoint, I am the least tech savvy person in our organization. When I say how how we've sort of embraced the technology, uh, we've got some young people in our group that are fantastic when it comes to technology. And, you know, if you've got a computer glitch, uh, certainly we have an IT company that looks after some of our stuff, but there's so many people here that are capable of uh, all you got to do is this. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. So the, the key thing is, uh, is, you know, our, from a, you know, we've got a, one of my business partners is the chief financial officer who has been with us for probably 20, 25 years. He's a partner. And, uh, and he just looks, uh, I, I, don't, I don't worry about uh, <laughs> the finances uh, too much. Uh, he looks after that. And uh, my other business partners are, you know, some of them look after the, uh, the back end so that when our installation people go out uh, and do a job, there's some uh, local, you know, there's some ownership eyes in the back seeing, you know, how's it going? What's, what's going on there? One of my other partners is a uh, vice president and she's, phenomenal at uh, doing proposals you know people uh, are getting rfp to death here it seems in the last especially it was bad enough before covid hit well to some degree i think some of the RFPing that's been going on in the last uh, couple of years are almost uh, to some degree make work projects that <laughs> to keep people uh, rolling but you know but you have to have someone that looks after those rfps because uh, on some of the large projects that we work on, as I say, when they're in, get into the millions of dollars uh, for a specific project, you know, the response to that RFP can take two or three people uh, a month to do. You got to be sort of selective which ones you're going to jump on if it's going to take that much time because, uh, well, let's face it, in a lot of RFPs, sometimes they they make you jump through the hoops and then they all look at the bottom line of the cheapest price anyway. So uh, it was kind of like, well, what do We've always prided ourselves in not being the cheapest. If you want good stuff, come and see us. If you want good work, come and see us. But to win jobs based on price uh, doesn't account for... We do win on occasion on on price, but that type of business doesn't, in the overall scheme of things, isn't really where we're, we're geared for. We're just good products at a fair price kind of thing is where we've kind of built the company. That's great. I mean, I think competing on price is a race to the bottom. So you have to be very selective and, and careful about uh, where your value add is. And I love the fact that, you know, you, you have these pillars in your company that the people that form the structure the, and help sustain the business. So that's wonderful to know. 
So with regards to Saskatchewan, I mean, what do you love about doing business here in Saskatchewan? Well, I think uh, I think there's a lot of business that, for sure, uh, in, in Saskatoon and to some degree in Regina, there's still a lot of business that you can do on a handshake. I think the other beautiful part about Saskatchewan is that you know you're going to get paid. <laughs> you know, we're not in that big city scenario where some hucksters come in and uh, you do all a bunch of work and then you have a tough time getting paid. So I think it's just a there's an insurance feeling there that says I'm in Saskatchewan and I'll be, you know, sure there's a few jobs that it might take a while to get paid, but we know where they live. We know uh that at some point, you know, you're going to get paid. And, and I think that's uh, one of the, the cool things, I guess, that I remember even when my f- first boss, uh, again, this is like 35 years ago, you know, and someone hadn't paid a $400 bill. He said, well, what's going on with this? I said, well, I don't know. I better go visit him. So, uh, you know, you had to sit in the guy's office for a little bit of an hour waiting to get in to see the guy. I said, look, you owe me $400. <laughs> We got paid, you know, but there's been so few instances in the last 40 years where maybe it's because I'm a bit of a, I'm Scottish, but I remember every once in a while, you know, that you might lose 500 bucks in a year or something like that. I can remember, uh, I can count them on one hand, the amount of times we didn't get paid, but I remember those those people and occasionally I would still see one or uh, one or two around town and I can look at them and they know what I'm thinking, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just remember. So what is the future of business furnishings, you know, a a decade down the road? What is the vision that you have? I think the vision is to, uh, we have, as I mentioned, we've got some really young, some young people. And when I say young at my age, you know, we've got some 30 and 40 year old people here that hopefully the torch will just get passed to them. I'd like to see that business furnishings name you know, last uh, another 40 years. But what the future will hold as far as, I don't know what the next product offering is going to be. Uh, coming out of COVID might just present some issues or some new product innovation that might be, uh, who knows what they're going to be. But the, the future, uh, you know, for sure is, I'd like to see that name carry on in the next 10 years. Uh, hopefully, I'll, I might retire on the 5th of never, but if I'm still here in uh, 10 years, so be it. Hopefully, I don't have to work as hard in 10 years from now at the age of 73. But uh, if that happens, uh, I'm a bit of a grinder, so I can see uh, it will do whatever it takes, you know. But truly, uh, we've got some, you know, some young group here, just like when I was in my 30s and 40s, and got a pretty good solid base here to see what the next assessment plan will be. Great. So on more of a personal note, if you were to go back 20 years, what advice would you give to your younger self? Well. I think one of the, I think it's a bit of a regret. We probably should have bought our own building back 25 or 30 years ago, but we didn't. And so in hindsight, you know, that could have been maybe a bit of a a retirement package. Had you owned some commercial real estate somewhere, I kind of missed that wave. But in hindsight, maybe there was a bit of a reluctance, I guess, maybe to jump in with both feet and buy a place. And yeah, maybe I should have been a little bit more risky even though maybe real estate might not be a risk. But I think maybe uh, when I was 30 or 40 years old, maybe if I'd have jumped in and uh, and said, yeah, let's buy a place, that would be one of my regrets. I have partners. Partners are like a marriage. Sometimes you uh, we have some issues, but in general, it's been it's a pretty good tilt with all, all the partners. And 
you know, I think by design, you know, I think a business might run a little bit smoother if there was uh, maybe one or two owners sort of thing. But in hindsight, we've got such a solid group of us that, you know, at any given time, you just do what you had to do at that time and say, well, okay, well, we're going to bring that person in as a partner. And it has worked out. But I, I suppose it would have been, that might have been more of a challenge, but because I rely on people. But if I was the sole owner, maybe that might have been a little uh, little easier. But uh, no regrets. Like I say, I, I, we've got such a core group here. And the beauty of that is uh, is that we are a true company. And if any one of us left, there's enough talent and knowledge here to keep rolling. But that's the upside to it is there's a, there's a pretty significant backing of uh, of ownership here that you know that would be here if one of us left. So based on your experience and the challenges that you've overcome over the years, what experience or what key advice can you actually give to our listeners? Cash flow is king. That's no, that's no surprise to any small or large business. Make sure uh, those receivables are sort of looked after and don't let it get too old. Don't be afraid to be more risky. Like I say, maybe I wasn't risky enough. And go with your gut feeling. Like sometimes if you've got something a project you're working on and you're saying, well, is it a race to the bottom or is it not a race to the bottom? And to your comment, uh, and sometimes deep down inside, do I really have a shot at this or am I just wasting time? So uh, a lot of stuff goes with your gut in business and those would be my top three, I guess. I think uh, your point about receivables, it's a very important one. And I, you know, from my perspective, I think I'd just like to stress on that point because I come across a lot of business owners that don't have their costs and their receivables intact. They don't understand the finances and that can literally ruin them. In fact, that's one of the number one reasons why a business fails is because they just don't understand the finances, where the cash is coming from, where it's going, what's happening to the expenses and are they even collecting at the right stages? And uh, a lot of businesses, they operate at low margins so it can have a huge impact on their profitability. And every industry has it, but because every industry has probably got that competitor out there that you know they don't have a control of their cost. And then when you're to your comment about race to the bottom, when it becomes a pricing situation, you know, if you're basing your whole company philosophy or you're responding and, and you're continually low, 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 those are usually the companies that, to your point, they're the ones that are always struggling. And, and Lord knows that. I can sit here and in the last 40 years think of, I can probably count 10 competitors of mine that aren't in business anymore. And those are the ones that are the market disturbers that burst onto the scene and snap up some large projects and kind of screw up the whole market for a while. And so you got to know what your costs are. If you don't, that's what's going to get you in trouble. So true. Wayne, it's been such a pleasure to have you here today. Where can people learn more about yourself and contact you online? Well, you can certainly go to our website, busfern.com. Email address uh, wwilson at busfern.com would probably be the easiest, uh, easiest way to get a hold of me and check out our website. And uh, I'll be more than happy to spend some time with you and see if we can help you out with any issues you might have in your office or uh, educational environment. That's great. Thanks once again, Wayne, and uh, such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for sharing the insights, and we wish you the best. Thank you very much for uh, this opportunity. This is, uh, I can't say that I've done too much of this, so I kind of got a charge out of it. Thanks again. Thank you for listening, and we hope you found this episode useful. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. 
You can see more information and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at saskentrepreneurs.com. That's S-A-S-K entrepreneurs.com. This episode is brought to you by TwoWeb. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At TwoWeb, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and nonprofit organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at TwoWeb.ca.